0: greater anywhere beneath the sun yet what voice on earth is weaker than the people's
1: made the one but the union makes us strong. Hello my name is Fortunato Rao your host of labor news radio CHA 1610 am Vo Latina one hour with useful
0: information.
1: Good evening, brothers and sisters. It's time once more for Labour News, a weekly programme created and hosted for many years by our beloved brother Fortunato Rao. Lucky's on his winter break right now, but we hope to see him back in the spring. Meanwhile, this is John Humphrey taking my turn to keep his bench warm. Well, Labour News showcases the ambition of workers to raise their living standards, health and welfare, and spirits. And to enrich the whole community, especially the most vulnerable. In Toronto, we come from every corner of the globe, a glittering array of cultures, languages, and skills. You find us in warehouses, workshops, and factories, in schools and colleges, on building sites and farms. We're in stores, offices, hospitals. We lurk in graveyards, sewage plants, and banks. We drive taxis and buses, trains and planes. We sweep our streets and pick up your garbage. On every shift, out on the shop floor, up in the air, deep underground, workers are everywhere. Not just union members, of course, the unorganized, the precarious and jobless, retirees, the injured, those unable to work. We're all workers. We're proud of who we are. Young and old, of all genders and ethnic background. We all share the glorious legacy of the international working class. Well, tonight, amid all the worldwide struggles of workers and the major political, economic, and social battles being waged across Canada, we're going to look at the day-to-day personal, family, and workplace challenges faced by individual workers, and about a renowned, long-established program that helps them get resolved on a one-to-one basis. That program's called Lifeline. It's run out of the Steelworker Building at 25 Cecil, and its coordinator is Sharon Clark, who's with us tonight. Sharon, welcome to Labour News.
0: Great. Thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here.
1: Yeah, you've been on the show several times in the past, I know, but we hope you can update us on the new challenges and responses that the Lifeline program is beginning to grapple with. And we'll kick off our chat in a couple of minutes, but first, here are some news items to digest. The first item is a footnote to an article we read last week about an eight-month Labour dispute in British Columbia and the involvement of a government mediator, Vic Reddy. And this is from the CBC on the 16th of February. And it's headlined, The Forestry Strike is Over. <clears throat> and I quote, More than 3,000 Vancouver Island forestry workers have ratified a tentative agreement with Western Forest Products. They walked off the job on July the 1st last year, and the tentative deal was reached on Monday last week. Brian Butler, president of United Steelworkers Local 1, 1937, said the deal received 81.9% support from his members. Highlights of the agreement he said include increases to life insurance and other benefits, health and safety improvements, a safety boot allowance, and controls on WFP's drug and alcohol policy. The union didn't achieve its goal of ending what members believe are dangerous alternate shifts, but the company has agreed to conduct operational trials of safer schedules proposed by the union. That's the end of the news item. Well, I'm not sure if congratulations are in order exactly, but it's certainly a relief for thousands of working families in B.C. The CBC isn't being accurate when it says that the workers walked off the job last night, last July. In fact, they were locked out by the company who was looking to crush them. Fighting back meant digging in for the long haul, sacrificing their income and routines of daily life, disrupting the lives and business of others, of course, and braving corporate hostility and some media criticism. The messy standoff was not unlike the Wet'suwet'en blockades which are going on now with with, with, uh, community rage being stoked on all sides. There comes a time when you have to take a stand. As that article points out, accepting mediation meant the Vancouver Island workers didn't win everything they were fighting for. Was it worth it? Well, you bet, but time will tell. It sends a message that things can't be bulldozed through without messy, long-term consequences. Hopefully the injection of mediator services uh, from Vic Reddy in the bitter Saskatchewan dispute that's going on between Uniform and Federated Co-op Refinery, hopefully that will bring it to a relatively quick settlement, although he's not been given the power to impose a deal as he was in B.C. Now the next item consists of two statements by labor bodies about the issue of indigenous sovereignty, pipelines, and the use of economic weapons of, weapons of struggle. This is from the Steelworker website on February the 14th, and it's an open letter to Prime Minister Trudeau. And it says, Dear Prime Minister, I write to express our grave concerns regarding the growing number of rail blockades across Canada that threaten the Canadian economy and could result in the layoff of thousands of our members across Canada. Our union members include thousands of Canadians who work in the rail sector, including members of Indigenous ancestry who work hard every day to support their families, Um, uh, uh, and who now face uncertainty and potential job losses. We also have thousands of members whose jobs depend on commodity supply chains that rely on the railway transportation network. Peaceful demonstration is fundamental to our democracy in Canada. It's a principle that is valued by the United Steelworkers and our members across the country. The USW also supports reconciliation and socio-economic justice that meets the standards and principles of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. In our view, the root cause of this current crisis is that successive governments in Canada have repeatedly ignored their responsibilities on reconciliation with Indigenous nations and peoples. For years, federal governments have paid lip service to dialogue and reconciliation, but have failed to take the profound and meaningful action that is required to achieve true reconciliation. This abject failure is reflected in the current protests and rail blockades across Canada, and as a result, we're writing to ask you to take personal responsibility for this file and meet with all stakeholders to defuse the tensions in this conflict, find a resolution, and demonstrate a genuine commitment to reconciliation. The Canadian economy and the livelihoods of many of our members depends on the railway's and we urge you to intervene in this dispute. Your sincerely, Ken Newman, National Director, United Steelworkers. Well, that's the end of the letter. I like its uh, it, its tone. I, at the beginning, I thought it was going to end up uh, being a call like Andrew Shears, but uh, um, its tone emphasizes the seriousness of the situation, but it recognizes that, like the collective bodies of workers, unions, like them, Indigenous groups have little choice but to use whatever weapons of disruption are at their disposal until they are listened to respectfully at the bargaining table. It places the ultimate responsibility squarely on the failure of Canadian uh, Canadian politicians and governments, their failure to deal with the issues of sovereignty and reconciliation down the years. We certainly don't know, need those figures like Andrew Scheer who stands up to lip-sync Mike Harris yelling, get those effing Indians out of my park. The second related statement appeared on the website of the Ontario Federation of Labour a week ago on February the 13th. And this statement is headlined, the OFL stands with the Wet Nation and solidarity protests across Canada. And I read, the Ontario Federation of Labour affirms its solidarity with the Wet Nation as they steadfastly defend their territories and with those who are actively supporting Indigenous sovereignty through protests and blockades across Ontario and Canada. The recent arrests of land defenders is yet another shameful example of our failure to implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's call to action and the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. The Wet'suwet'en Nation has an inherent right, right to self-determination, including the right to defend their lands. The OFL encourages the RCMP coastal gas link, and all levels of government to engage in true reconciliation not just in words but in meaningful actions that reflect and create a strong nation-to-nation relationship. Government actions that perpetuate our ongoing legacy of colonialism and cultural genocide must stop. Here in Ontario, the Ford government, like the settler governments before them, have failed to take action towards reconciliation, even acting to reverse progress. The reality is that indigenous people still do not have access to clean drinking water, shelter, and food security in this province. Further, the conservative government has halted curriculum development for elementary and secondary students concerning indigenous culture history and contributions. They've cut the indigenous culture fund and they've dismantled the anti-racism directorate subcommittee to combat anti-indigenous racism. We all share a collective responsibility for reconciliation. That's the end of the OFL statement. Again, instead of mouthing generalities, uh, this strong statement identifies specific government actions which have perpetuated and are provoking this kind of inevitable physical standoff. Okay, and then the final news item is a reminder of the threat of physical carnage that threatens workers every day due not to their own carelessness, but to penny-pinching, Lack of due diligence and sometimes callous indifference by too many employers. This one hit home to me because it happened a couple of hundred meters from where I used to work. And this is from the Ministry of Website, uh, the Ministry of Labour website, uh, January the 13th, and it's headlined "Worker Trapped and Killed in Wood Drying Kiln." And I quote: "Prodtor Inc. makes hardwood flooring at 15 Fenmar Drive, Weston, on December the 13th, 2017." One of its workers died when trapped in in a wood-drying kiln. The factory had big gas-fired kilns made of sheet metal that generate high heat. Each kiln has tall hanger-style doors for loading and unloading wood, plus two smaller doors at front and back for workers to enter or exit. There's no light, natural or artificial, inside these kilns. Two workers were asked to fix a malfunctioning damper on the kiln's roof. They found it was frozen open, this was uh, in December, and decided to use heat from the kiln to melt the ice. Later they checked to see if it had worked. They turned off the kiln, which would remain hot for some time, then looked through the back door to see if sunlight was showing through the dampers. But due to steam in the kiln and the overcast day, they could see nothing. So one of them climbed up to the roof of the kiln to physically free up the damper, while the other went into the control room. When the first worker returned, his co-worker couldn't be found. When a supervisor opened the front door of the kiln, the victim was lying on the floor unresponsive, vital signs absent. The inside temperature was 149 Fahrenheit or 65 Celsius with very high humidity. Emergency services were called but couldn't revive him. Ministry investigators examined the kiln's front door. Its lock was designed to open from inside or outside. The outside mechanism worked okay, so workers could enter the kiln, but inside the panic bar was corroded and seized, and the door itself was cracked, so once shut it couldn't be opened from the inside. Weather stripping and metal around the push bar had been allowed to deteriorate, letting damp air enter and corrode the lock. Its malfunctioning was evident during normal use of the door. Despite the manufacturer's recommendation, the employer had no preventative maintenance schedule for the for the door lock. Well, on January the 9th, 2020, at Old City Hall, Toronto, the company was fined $225,000 plus a 25% victim surcharge. That's the end of the article. and I just have to say that one chokes me up. Uh, okay, now let's talk to Sharon in the studio. Um, so Sharon.
0: Hi. Good evening.
1: Hi. How long have you been at Lifeline now?
0: I have been there now for uh, fifteen years. Yeah. Fifteen. Yeah. Seems Since like two thousand and five. I yep. know. Yep. I think you practically uh, hired me, John. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I was there. That's for sure. That's um, right. You're one of the longer-serving uh, coordinators of oh, uh, of, 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 uh, of Lifeline. Oh, uh, great! It's
0: very were doing rewarding. B-
1: before you were uh, you, before you came to Lifeline.
0: Well, before that, um, I was working uh, and still am employed by Labour Community Services, a project of the Toronto Labour Council, and I was working a lot with in unionized workplaces. Um, helping to organize uh, joint union management fundraising campaigns and installing uh, volunteers throughout the United Way. And also with that, prior to that, part of that, um, one job that I had, which I found very fulfilling at Labor Community Services, is I developed the uh, Women's Advocate Program, which is uh, designed that, developed that, which is now well-known worldwide.
1: So So uh, what made you uh, leap into
0: the uh, lifeline? Well, I thought, you know... it uh, it was a good extension from the Women's Advocate program, Women Helping Women, and there was an opportunity with, with the Steelworkers, of which I am a member, uh, where there was a program for members helping members, and um, it's a unique program to the Steelworker, to the uh, labor movement. Yeah. No other program like it that I'm aware of, and so I thought it would be a great challenge and um,
1: and lots of variety. I think uh, is one of the things you get. You get a whole bunch of different. That you're a whole to, range. Yeah. yeah,
0: you never know. All sorts of things come my way. Absolutely.
1: Okay, well, we'll get into that. When we take our first break, we'll have a sip of coffee and uh, return quick and uh, continue with this conversation. Advertise yourself at CHHA 1610 AM. Call our sales department at 416-782-2953 or email us at sales at chha1610am.ca. Learn about our great sales packages made right for you. Call now, 416-782-2953, or visit chha1610am.ca.
0: The Caravan of Hope continues to merge its journey to Latin America, giving solidarity to those in need. To make a donation and to find out how we make our solidarity a reality, Visit caravanofhope.net
1: Caravan of Hope Global Aid Working and helping others Today, tomorrow, and always The San Lorenzo Church invites you to be a part of the Holy Mass at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. every Sunday Located at 2981 Dufferin Street One light south of Dufferin in Lawrence Listen live to our afternoon Mass at 1 p.m. through CHHA 1610 a.m. For confessions or pastoral meetings, call 416-782-2953. Hello again. You're back at Labour News Chha Radio with John Humphrey sitting in for Lucky Rao. Our studio guest tonight is Sharon Clark, the coordinator of Lifeline. So Sharon, you, you, there, there's a bunch of uh, there's a variety of uh, of things that you deal with, a wide variety at Lifeline um i know a lot of them are to do with personal problems that workers have that individual workers have uh, give us some idea of the of the range of and type of problems that you
0: okay have. it um it it's various quite you never know what to expect in in a day um and it's interesting the time of year too the types of of issues that might come my my way i find in the new year most of the time get a lot of calls and uh, inquiries from our members having financial issues, right. debt problems, yeah. wanting to, s- to sort of get the finances in order. And uh, they've
1: blown the budget.
0: They've blown the budget, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Or they let things pile up or they have the collection agencies uh, calling them. They want to know their rights. They want to know what to do next.
1: And what kind of, what, 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 what can you do to how can you help them? And
0: so what I do, what our job is at Lifeline is um, can be very supportive when someone um, uh, calls. That's that's what's really important. The first step in the helping process, we call that. And then my job is to figure out with the person, you know, what's happening and then encourage them, support them in and. And getting and getting the help that they need, so if it's a financial issue for instance, to put them in touch with um, credit counseling debt management service, and there are many of them uh, they operate that operate on a not for profit basis we don't want people getting into debt as a result of getting that kind of help yeah. and so my job would be to to help people narrow down the um the various sources of help and to make a good choice as to making that second step.
1: Now, you don't try and give advice yourself on that kind
0: of... No, thing. I no. don't give no. advice unless, you know, something is really obvious. Mm. For instance, there was a time when we were getting a lot of um, uh, calls. They were fraudulent phone calls, scam calls. So people would call in and say, oh, I've just had a call. They say they're, f- they're from the Canada Revenue Agency. They want my social insurance number. Um, or they going to... and they want money? Um or they're going to report me to the police or take my children or have me deported. What should I do? So things like that, things that are very obvious where you can say, no, you know, that doesn't sound legitimate,
1: yeah.
0: you know, um, step back a moment and know that you have rights. Yeah. You know, I give advice, supportive advice. But
1: for the legitimate things, You, you yeah. I mean, for the real problems that they're facing.
0: Right. As as a way of helping them figure out what to do next. So if someone has given out their social insurance number, what to do next? Yeah. You know, where to go, what the next step would yeah. be. That's just one, one example. And, and how would a, these people issue?
1: actually, how would they come to Lifeline? I, I mean, wh- what would prompt them to come to, how would they know about Lifeline? How would they...
0: They know about it because it it gets uh, promoted and publicized in the workplace, thanks to the shop stewards, the the, uh, the activists in the right. workplace. They make sure that uh, the members are aware there's the program. Then they we also like the members to know that maybe it's a family member who will call instead, and that's okay too, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and sometimes people will say, well, I have a friend who needs help. And so the other day, for instance, I had a call from a QP member yeah. saying, you know, I, I've got your flyer here because, you know, my friend is a steel worker. I just need to know what to do next. And yeah. so I can usually quickly and e- easily point, steer them in the right direction as well.
1: You, you, don't tell Word them, of mouth. you don't tell them they're in the wrong union or that they they, 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 they don't have a union card so you can't talk to them?
0: No, no, <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> What, what
1: what what about more serious personal problems? Yeah, other like, issues, well, that, yeah. Well, financially, very serious. But but Fine. what about sort of health-risking situations? Yeah, situation?
0: risk-taking oh. type behavior and yeah. things like that. Um, clearly, from a workplace perspective, it happens. Uh, who knows what the stressors might be in someone's life and or what causes them to... Um, to To um, utilize, use uh, alcohol, drugs, recreationally, it builds up over time, and yeah. uh, and then can um, actually develop into more of a full, uh, full-blown dependency or addiction, which affects their work.
1: Yeah. Is, that, is that when they turn to you? Is, is is when actually it's
0: creating problems for them personally at work? And sometimes it's it's a little earlier than that they can see that they're going to have a problem yeah. or that they've been encouraged by someone to get help, uh, so they might do it voluntarily on their own. other times it's because they have been strongly encouraged to to get to get assistance. They could be the again the shop steward helping them out. It might be because they've had um some discipline, maybe for being late, being absent. Uh, being difficult at work, angry person, for instance, lashing out at other people. And what might be, always have to look at the root, yeah. what might be at at the root of that. And, you know, maybe it's a mental health issue, substance abuse issue, uh, something is happening that's causing that person to do, have problems Do you at work. sort
1: of uh, try, not exactly diagnose, but you try and get to those root causes over the phone or, or is that something that you leave to others? Yeah, uh,
0: well, you can t- get enough. You don't have to know absolutely everything yeah. but enough to steer the person in the right direction. Mm. But, but it's, I think, really the kinds of questions you ask really open up the story. Have they ever had, uh, you know, reached out for help before? Do they have, um, have they ever received any assistance for a particular problem? What, you know, ki- type of assistance? And that, their, their life story opens up a little more that way and then um that helps to then point them in the right direction do, as well do,
1: do, I, by the way i mean is there a what's what's the sort of gender split on this i mean i the, the majority of steelworkers would be men i was think yeah. still yeah mm-hmm. but are the majority of people who call lifeline men? still
0: the majority yeah. the majority of men yeah. um but we have more and more women in the union yeah. and they too um are calling but if i look at you know and look at who calls um it's you know a little maybe 6040 men 60-40 yeah. for, for
1: men and 40 for women yeah. yeah
0: and then sometimes these days you have to be a really uh good listener that sometimes people don't identify with either gender yeah and that's more prevalent today in the workplace as well that um and There's those
1: people would be be calling about that issue.
0: Uh, uh, not necessarily, uh, and that's uh, what I, is interesting. Yeah. You know, that might be part of who they are, but they have a financial problem as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you realize, oh yes, no, they they don't identify with either, yeah. with either gender. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah so so. Um, and that's new,
0: by the way. You know, going back to I, 2005, yeah. you know, we never really considered that, but. Uh, that's something that's where people are more open these days and talking about yeah. it. And
1: um, yeah, and I mean, in, in, uh, you know, when I was uh, st- uh, still in the plant, uh, you know, we were getting around to s- same-sex benefits, uh-huh. but the broader this broader issue about gender identity wasn't right. really there.
0: No, it's not no. there. And now that we have health and safety legislation uh, in Ontario, that uh, people are. Feeling a little more comfortable and confident because they know they have workplace protections, on beca- yeah. as a result of um, what we call Bill One Thirty Two, under the o- Occupational Health and Safety Act, dealing with gender and sexuality issues.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I mean, but generally speaking, with um, with drugs mm-hmm. um, and with. Mental issues, mm-hmm. psychiatric issues, I should say or psycho. um you are you are a referral service i mean you, li- you listen and you absorb and you yes. d- decide where the problems m- might lay, but you then
0: offer options, yeah as to what they might want to do next uh if there's a substance abuse issue, you know how you know how serious is it at that point yeah. um are they uh Using every day, do they need to get start by getting detox or are they, you know, good to take the next step in terms of getting uh, an assessment done um, to figure out what kind of treatment will work best for them? Uh, you have to look at each situation individually. And you, you've,
1: you've built up a, a, a a toolbox of places to go of resources. to resources relationships with uh, Yes. With yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. That's part of the job for yeah. sure to know, you know, which you know service might be most appropriate. Particularly as well, we talked about gender, but also about ethnicity and culture as well and being in such a diverse type of community, we have a whole range of services that we can refer people to that uh, depending on uh, on their place of origin the lang their first language so really, what service might be best really, for them
1: yeah yeah and yeah. it varies
0: yeah
1: yeah and and i mean it's Taken a lot for them to, to, to call in the first place. Usually, yes. Well, I, 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 by the way, I'm assuming that most of this is over the phone, or, or
0: well, it starts off over the phone yeah. often. Both. I have to tell you, these days, like today, was a good example. Several several emails. People starting that oh, way. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the first step. You know, for yeah. them, they send an email. Yeah. Little sort of more uh, distance for them, but then you know we get around to making a phone call, perhaps. Yeah. Or making an appointment face to face with one another.
1: And your your office is at Cecil Street, right? So yes,
0: correct. In. And yeah. I go to plants as well. Uh, you know, if it's more for, convenient for people, for I individual cases. Yes, yeah? every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So you you you. you I'll okay, travel by that time,
1: you're alerting the company that there's a problem. Well, no?
0: the union. No, it would be if there's a union office. If they've got their own space, okay. we can do it. We can do it in a in a private. Um, way confidential way yeah, confidential yeah way. i mean
1: confidentiality is, is a everything very
0: issue. it's everything and sometimes it's desirable for people because they have you know such stressful lives yeah. it's hard for them to get around sometimes yeah
1: okay it's our lunch break here so it's time for station announcements and labor news will be right back c h h a 1610 <laughs> Listen to us all around the world. Visit chha1610am.ca for new content daily. From Toronto, Canada, chha1610am, the voice of our community, because we are a part of your daily life. Listen to us all around the world. Visit chha1610am.ca for new content daily. Okay, this is Labor News with a steel edge on CHHA 1610 AM. This is John Humphrey and our guest tonight is Sharon Clark, the experienced and resourceful guiding hand at the helm of the Lifeline program on Cecil Street. So Sharon you're your um, stick handling, you you never know what the next phone call is going to be about, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, or the knock on the door.
1: Or the yes. knock on the door, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Personality uh, problems, depression—you know—you know know, some of which might be quite serious, and so on. How how do you set about over the phone, or or even in a first time meeting with with somebody? How do you set Mm -hmm. about really working out what the appropriate avenue to challenge them towards is? How how do you? Yeah,
0: it depends on whether or not they're, you know, in crisis or if it's. Something that they've been living with, yeah. so I've had people call me, uh, who are what we call hallucinating. They're hearing voices, they're looking at their computer screen and they're seeing themselves, oh, yeah. uh, the television. They this think is what they they're telling you. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Many times over the years, uh, and these these like uh, these um, episodes will come and go, and they you know they do need to get. Um, Some immediate assistance. Uh, It's interesting
1: that they would call you rather than if they've talked.
0: It's because they've talked to me before, Ah. and so they see me as a friendly, listening ear. So, on one day, they might be everything might be okay. They're a little depressed or anxious, and then it might, you know, it might progress. Or uh, they're taking an antipsychotic medication. They stop using it, and then. and then they will call and they're in crisis because, you know, they think that, you know, people are talking to them or the television is talking yeah. to them or they And it's interesting that they would, they
1: would call you ra- rather than get into the medical s- system. Because
0: they don't think they have a problem. All right. And so I have to encourage them. Yeah. To think about that, and they maybe to you see to tell the doctor. Them if you think got a yes, and maybe yeah. what to do next. Yeah. You know, often I encourage them to st- get to their doctor, go to the hospital, emergency, emergency if they can, and hopefully they don't have to wait too long to see someone, which is a challenge as well. Yeah. Sometimes people have gone through those steps before, and they just want someone to talk to. And there are other services as well, crisis services that can intervene. And my job is to. Well, family sure problems,
1: I would think, uh, are also an issue that they bring to you. No?
0: Oh, absolutely, all yeah. sorts.
1: What sort of things? So.
0: Yeah, family breakdown, marital problems, kids that are children acting up, acting up yeah. adolescence, youth. What to do? You know, they've discovered that their child is, um, it, you know their young teenager is, they're hooked on, video games. They're hooked on. You know, just wanting to, you know, smoke uh, weed all day, or they're missing with school, the wrong people. running with the wrong people, yeah. not being motivated, yeah, yeah not really, uh, you know, a concern to the parent, or in dangerous relationships.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now all all these things, they obviously have their dimension at work, but a lot of them are are, are home. Home-based problems, right? yeah. Home-based
0: problems that, and you can't leave them at the door when you go to work. Yeah, yes. and so they sort of come to work that. with you. It affects them at work. Affecting their performance. It's their performance. Their they're yeah. late. Maybe their absenteeism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How punctual are they, or not? Or having bad relationships, particularly I find, with co-workers, taking it out on a co-worker.
1: Okay. Now, uh, when, we, when we get to this, I mean, you're you're, you're talking about people that that. Call in. I mean, basically, they contact Lifeline one way or another. Right. Um, now, when it comes to the workplace, are there there must be cases when it's the union, concerned union rep, that wants wants you to to, to, to talk to somebody or, or or wants to know if if it would help somebody coming into or calling you, or even the company, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean. Uh, w- 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 What's the relationship with companies? Well, it's
0: interesting with the companies. I mean, I like to deal with the union because it's a union-based program, but the union will give permission sometimes if it helps the member. Uh, For instance, someone loses their cool at work these days. They uh, raise the voice in particular, or they get into a fight, which is obvious. Uh, Employers have policies, They must have policies. And it's zero tolerance. But what does that mean? And so sometimes a worker is told, well, get help before, you know, things get worse for you. Or as part of a grievance settlement, you know, they've been told, well, they've got an anger problem. Get help for that. Uh, And maybe it's really more about, yeah, learning how to stay cool, even though you have all these other stressors happening, how to sort of, recognize your stressors and recognize that you're losing your cool. Some tips, some skills on how to hold it together so that you don't raise the voice, that you don't get into a fight and that way um, you'll save yourself a lot of problems with the employer because the employer these days has no option but to act if uh, someone is is aggressive in the workplace they must yeah. do so yes. uh because of health and safety legislation
1: and and the union for that matter would be all over them if the, if if they ignored if a situation later that right. developed to some, you know.
0: yes because it, they that angry person not only are they a threat to the to you know, themselves but to all those around them Happens once it could happen
1: yeah.
0: over and over again, and so employers have to act, and so that's when the union and the employer will work together. Sometimes you know things are pretty clear cut. You know there's a physical fight in the workplace, which happens, even though workers know they can't do that, they forget, and because of the heat of the moment, yeah, yeah. and um, and yeah, back, yeah, and their chances of of retaining their job at that point. Slim to none. Uh, well, d-
1: d- d- answer me this because I remember in, in my day in the plant, um, I don't want to exaggerate, but when somebody got into some workplace situation like that, like an out and out fight and so on, the the lifeline was considered almost as a get out of jail card. In other words, y- y- you know, the union goes into the management and says, look, you don't want to fire this guy, we'll fight you all the way. But what, what, why don't we get them into some uh, anger management or blah 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 program and and so on? Uh, uh, um, I don't know if that's It still, would, happens. still happens. It still happens. It
0: still happens. But the difference is, um, and it, it happens a lot actually. Yeah. And I'm always happy to help the member because when people realize the paycheck is on the line, yeah. you know, they're willing to, you know, they're they're willing to think about developing skills that will help them to survive the workplace, as I think of it as. Um, But also, um, since uh, 2010, uh, when they made major change to the Occupational Health and Safety Act, uh, when it comes to making the workplace safer, dealing with problems of violence and harassment...
1: Murders. Yes,
0: still happens. That... um, They have no choice but to but to to act to keep the workplace safer for everybody around that person. So it makes it harder for us to fight for someone's job. Though, if you know, if it hasn't progressed to that point of physical contact, but is leading up to it, it is a great way to um, to sort of start turning the the clock back a bit. Yeah, and always happy to help in that regard. But you know something.
1: Tell me how this affects. you know, somebody who calls you on the phone by themselves is motivated because they recognize in at least they've got the the beginnings of a problem. Somebody who has lost their job and uh, is desperate to get, you know, suddenly realizing that they need to get their job back, let's say. um, They want to get off the hook, but... Are they buying in to whatever treatment plan I I mean That's right. You've yeah. got I
0: really have to work on this because yeah. um and sometimes it takes you know, getting the message delivered more than once uh to that person. Because are they just going through the motions? Yeah. Uh because what happens is you might as well change. You might not change all parts of your life, but maybe at least in, in your working life, because most of the time it comes hand in hand with the last chance agreement. Yeah. So yeah. you know you'll you won't get a second chance, yeah. and so that's a that's a, that's a big motivator.
1: Would would the union or you? I mean, I, I suppose this is ethical. I mean, ever say to the employer, listen, give him a last chance warning, because that's the only way that he's gonna.
0: Yeah, thank goodness I don't have to say those things. <laughs> That's I leave that up to the yeah. the union staff representatives yeah. and yeah. shop stewards. Yeah. They will do that. But the uh, and they to, have to impress upon the per- yeah. on the member that it's real and there won't be another chance. Yeah. And then I can help them from there, but they have to have an open mind and um and be willing to um to To be cooperative and willing to get some training and to take it seriously.
1: Some some of the the programs that you um, get people into that you you steer them towards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they take time, they cost money, they involve time off work. How do you how do you? How, I mean, it's one thing f- to persuade the employer to take somebody back; it's another to, to, for for them to pay him for. Four weeks uh, in a sanatorium, you know, something like that. Treatment program. Treatment program. Yeah,
0: yeah, Particularly, this is true. I think particularly when it comes to someone who has a a drug drug or alcohol dependency, an addiction. uh, Sometimes people require residential care, or even, but not everyone, or even outpatient uh, or day treatment, and most of the time, our members, all of us, we rely on the public system. And uh, it's a system where there are waiting lists. And so uh, people do have to um, sort of wait their turn to get into a a program. But I also find that a lot of these uh, 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 types of programs have have, uh, more informal counseling or group work that people can take take advantage of while they wait yeah. to before they get the formalized counseling I would think and support. And to. so my job is to uh you know make sure that they get you know steered in the right direction in order to get into the public system and then to support them throughout the the steps in the waiting during that waiting period. And the challenge is not so much with the employer but it's with if they have for instance an insurance plan, a group insurance plan, short-term disability, for instance. Uh, you know, insurance companies don't recognize the waiting list. They want to just see right. that, yeah. you know, we'll pay you uh, for lost wages while yeah. you're actually in a program. Prove yeah. that. So that's a challenge. Um, and so people will often go on employment insurance, and that helps them. But it's still a long process, yeah. and... Uh,
1: and that you've got a stick handle. To yes, priorities. exactly.
0: Not many. There aren't too many people who can, you know, open up their their wallet and say, "Oh yeah, I can, I can get into treatment tomorrow if I come up with fifteen thousand yeah, yeah. dollars or yeah, something yeah, yeah. to pay for it." Yeah. Uh, there are spaces like that, but unless you are well off, yeah. you're not going to go that route.
1: Yeah. Okay. Another another thing other that I understand that you do. More and more, is you actually go into plants not just to deal with individual crises and mm-hmm. cases, but you 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 do sort of group yeah. sessions and. Well, and I
0: like to be proactive. Yeah. Like, why wait until someone has a problem, uh, an anger problem? Like, why wait until they get into trouble uh, because they don't understand what a respectful workplace is about? Yeah. And what um, and what got gui- what should be guiding them in terms of um, you know uh. Harass, uh, harassment-free workplace, violence-free workplace. Yeah. What does that mean? Why wait until someone gets into trouble before we get to meet them? Develop a shared understanding with everyone. So for this, you The have, members, you've... the supervisors, the managers, everybody. Ah. And there's a shared understanding. There's no misunderstanding that way.
1: So you have... You, you I mean, for that, obviously, you have to get the employer to buy in and to, yes. to invite you in and to release That's right, for... and
0: they often do. Yeah. Mhm it's because it's they a fairly also, they regular have the part. Obligation
1: you're talking about, right?
0: yes, because they need to do the training, health and safety legislation says you yes. must do yeah. this kind of training it's the quality of the training that yeah. varies, yeah. you know it's you know you can sit down and read a you know, a pamphlet, and that's your training, or you can have a have uh, interactive discussion. And it's and the that's cost, to, to be, to be yeah. frank, to
1: companies, because, uh-huh. the, uh, you know, the Steelwork... The, well, no, I don't call it the Steelworker Lifeline Foundation, but the Lifeline Foundation... Um, is not a profit-making organization, right? So it, it doesn't it doesn't charge for these courses in the way that uh, a lot of these private companies are lining up to. to right. To, to, yeah, we have a different
0: work. a different approach to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we just want to have a, you know, enough uh, dollars coming in so that the foundation can operate from year to year. Yeah. And training helps, but mainly for me, uh, it's about why not. Make the workplace safer for everybody physically and psychologically um, by doing the training uh, in advance of problems developing yeah. and then there are still people who fall through the cracks
1: yeah, yeah for sure but but this is a significant part of your work
0: it's significant yeah? and yeah. it's very uh for me it's very uh rewarding and and I know that people really appreciate it didn't I'm told history, that time yeah, and it time, time exist, again right? no yeah. no, it didn't exist. Yeah. And um, but it's it's a, a, an important yeah. component.
1: Yeah, and and it means it's not it's not just a it's no longer just an individual sort of problem and somebody feeling that mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm malfunctioning. It's it's a group. It's thing. a group yeah, thing. You're talking about group dynamics and, and that's so right.
0: Yeah. And people talking to one another about things they normally don't talk about that have nothing to do with work.
1: Okay, well we'll take our last break now and. Uh, um, We'll be back to talk to Sharon in just a couple of moments. Radio Voces Latinas. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at CHHA1610AM. Ciao, sono Mario Marasco, conduttore del programma italiano La Bella Italia, sono trascorsi oltre 12 anni, voce latina, 16.10am, I programmi inizieranno il primo di gennaio 2018, da lunedì a venerdì dalle 10 alle 11 pomeridiane, mentre la domenica l'orario resta invariato dalle 9 alle 10 pomeridiane. Auguri e buone feste da Mario Marasco, La Bella Italia, Voce Latina e buon anno a tutti. Radio Voces Latinas, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at C-H-H-A, 1610
0: AM. C-H-H-A, 1610 AM, Radio Voces Latinas, more voices 24 hours through. Programming continues. to the right. Labor News the again,
1: CHHA, 16:10 a.m. Sharon Talk. Tor- uh, Sharon uh, Clark has been uh, discussing the unique contribution that Lifeline is making to the welfare of uh, Toronto workers. Indeed, Ontario workers because you're 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 not just confined to Toronto, you know, confined to the stew workers, right? Could you tell us a bit about
0: that? Right. So, um uh, we have a, a number of our local unions and their employers in Eastern Ontario, so that stretches up to Ottawa, Pembroke area, uh, right to right, the yeah. uh, Quebec border. But some of our members live in Quebec and work in, in, in Ontario, right. so uh, you know all the way to uh, to Brockville and Mississauga.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mississauga, you, also Mississauga,
0: you know. A lot of our members live in Mississauga and Hamilton and yeah. York region to the north. And, yes, yeah. yeah, so uh, spread around. And other unions Absolutely. even. Yes, we have one other union, and yeah. they're province-wide, a province-wide yeah. union. Yeah, yeah. And their members utilize the service. So everywhere, everywhere in the province. Yeah. And it's technology that makes that possible, uh, linking people to services. Uh, Sorry, uh, technology
1: meaning the Internet? and uh, The Internet, uh, yeah.
0: right. Yeah. That's... Uh, a great way of linking people to services, and um, yeah, it's made I, it everything different. I,
1: I, I I'm interested. Um, it was, it was always a sort of a bit of an issue for me when I was in the plan. But um, let's say you're, that you're saving somebody's job essentially. You know, with, with mm-hmm. you're negotiating some some treatment that will help right. a person to reintegrate and so on. How? how far are you obligated uh, to report back to the employer about what's happening with that individual
0: right well I've made you know I've had to develop some guidelines so that um you know I stay within the appropriate boundaries of the lifeline program, which is the union helping its members yeah. and so uh if I have a request uh from an individual, but coming through the union as well, through their staff rep or a shop steward, says we need to know, you know, that the person actually got the assistance that they did.
1: Sorry, this is the union asking that. Y- the, union lo- asking the that. Local union, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yes, if they're asking. Then I will p- do it in a variety of ways. A recent example: someone just needed to. The employer decided you just need to uh, to provide us with proof that you are getting assistance. So my job was to say to the person, well, you're going to this service, great, you know, it was a good referral, it worked well for that person, and to let them know all you have to do is ask them, give me a letter to prove that I've been here, and they will do that, and that, that is what the employer needs. It keeps it very confidential. Sometimes yeah. it goes deeper than that, yeah. uh, where, you know, I have to say, here are the steps that we took. Write a letter to our staff representative, and they, in their negotiations with their employer, can present that information. But it's very basic. Mm. It might be just this is these were the dates that I we met. This is the the process. You've got to make sure that
1: the the member has confidence in the lifeline. That's right. And sometimes
0: the members say, "Oh, I want you to put in a good word for me. I'm a good person and that." But I always have to say, "Well, you know, we want to make sure that we're kind of objective and that we give them." Just the basic information, and uh, that will uh, that will be all you need in order to become whole again. So I like to do it in such a way that it's um, it's helpful to the member without without um, disclosing too much yeah. detail. Well, you know something.
1: I I, I don't know where it's gone. Uh, you 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 ne- I, I know you talk about labour community services. I know they they for a long time back in my day and and and. Now I don't know if they still call it that. They had a labour, ca- uh, a union counsellor program where, where people mm-hmm. in the plants or in the workplaces—I shouldn't confine it to plants—they um, they would be trained about the kind of issues that you're talking about mm-hmm. in, in a smaller scale way and um, be encouraged to to act in the plant to show that the union wasn't just about the contract; it was more about the right. whole person. Uh, and the, but there were problems. I appreciate uh, you know. I remember we we. Um, we hired some, sorry, we appointed one of our members who was keen on it. We, we sort of advertised it, not, not advertised it, but we publicized it and um, got somebody. But people didn't want one of their co-workers probing into their personal right. problems. And um, it really fell apart because of that. Yeah. It did, really didn't. I, I just wonder if that's still going and right. if that's still a problem or... or
0: it's a... A peer referral model. Yeah. Um, it used to be known as a union counselor program. The name changed yeah. uh, to be a little more reflective as, as to what the role is: a labor community activist, much like back in the day when I developed the women's advocate program. Yeah. Women's advocate, women helping women, yeah. labor community act, ad, advocate, members helping members. But yes, and that that was always um, always an issue which is why I I find it interesting when I first learned about Lifeline. It operates on that model. It was a peer model. And when I came along, they said, well, we we don't really want a peer. We want someone who had more formal-type training. So I fit the bill in that way, too. But I had an understanding of... um, of this union councillor now labour community advocate program yeah. that um the same model the same approach but i think what we do in lifeline can, is is more detailed yeah. in terms of still acting in an information referral support capacity but, um, but also it's in a very confidential and private way. And,
1: and yeah, it's not among your, it's not one of your a workers It's more hands-off. Yeah. Exa- yes, yeah.
0: exactly. There's yeah. more of a distance there, and there's more of um, uh, a trained component as well. So it was a good idea, uh, peers helping peers, but on the other hand, there are a lot of dynamics in the workplace that made it really hard for that kind of um, approach to be successful
1: Yeah. okay well Sharon we're going to have to leave it there I'm afraid as always oh. we, we just run out of time with so many other issues to discuss but anyway um, uh, thanks so much for sharing your insights and your passion if I may say for, uh, oh. on this uh, on this wintry evening and thanks for coming in and thanks for your tireless efforts on behalf of working people thank especially you. those in distress it's thanks. a delight thank yeah. you Thanks. okay much. so that's it down tools wash up time we head for the car park um, just quick mention of a couple of upcoming events. Tomorrow, Friday, February the 21st, all Toronto, Ontario's public schools will be closed. It's the first ever coordinated job action by all the teachers' unions, elementary, secondary, Catholic, and French boards for the future of our children, really. Join a community picket line at the local school of your choice if you can. Then at 10 a.m. there's a rally on the steps of Queen's Park to protest the mindless classroom cuts that are driven by Doug Ford and the right dishonorable Stephen Lecce. And then the very next day, Saturday, February the 22nd, the Ontario Federation of Labour and its affiliates will gather at Niagara Falls at 10.30 a.m. there to raise workers' voices outside the Tory party convention. Buses are leaving Nathan Phillips Square at 8 a.m., but you must contact 416-441-3663, extension 211 to inquire about spaces. Now, here's the remainder of the other non-Spanish language programs uh, on on, on CHHA Radio 1610 AM. Monday to Friday, 10 to 11 PM, and Sundays, 9 to 10 PM, there's La Bella Italia, the all-Italian music show. Tuesdays, 8 to 9 PM, there's Music and Medicine in English, a talk show with musical entertainment. Wednesdays, 8 to 9 PM, there's Oras Na a lively spoken word program in English with a Filipino accent. Uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 9 p.m., there's Radio Natin in Tagalog, and you can hear it right after our show tonight. Fridays, 8 to 9 p.m., there's Mr. B's Bounce in English, a bag full of bang-on music. Saturdays and Sundays, 6 to 9 in the morning, there's a show called What's Up Toronto. It's a get-out-of-bed spoken word show in English. And Sundays from 8 to 9 p.m., there's Mediation Station, That's a guide to personal and group interactions in English, moderated by Greg Fenton. And as always, here's a big basket of thank yous uh, to our aforementioned multi-talented studio manager, Maestro Greg Fenton, and for the always appreciated hospitality of the San Lorenzo Community Center. And hey, if you want to join a union, now's a good time to call the Labour Council at 416-441-3663. Um, and check out the Steelworkers National website, usw.ca, and the Toronto Area Council site at uswtac.org. So thank you very much, everyone, for lending us your ears. We're back every Thursday night, 8 o'clock at CHHA. And don't forget, as you face the daily grind at work or schlep back homewards after mind-numbing decisions by management, just whistle a happy tune, and the words to remember are Without our brain and muscle, not a single wheel would turn. Jorge Garcia-Orgales will be your host next week, interviewing Benny Esguera about how he uses music to b- build community in Jane and Finch. Not to be missed, but meanwhile, buenas noches, Compañeros, buena notte en a la prochaine, camarade, good night, one and all. When the union's inspiration through the work is perfect,
0: Shall run there can be no power greater anywhere beneath the Sun yet what force on earth is weaker than the people's made the one but the union makes us strong
1: hello my name is fortunaunatoro your host of labor news radio chA 1610 am voce latina One hour with useful information.
0: It is we who plowed the prairies, built the cities where they trade, dug the mines and built the workshops, endless piles of railroad made. Now we stand outcast, starving with the wonders we have made. But the union makes us strong.